Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, I'm Marcus Bronzy, and this is Marcus Meets. Welcome. It's a show that's made for you, and what you think of it is super important to us. We will take your feedback whenever we can, and you can give us feedback by leaving us a rating and a review. We've made it easy by putting a link in the show description of the podcast you might want to after today's episode. So, there's a computer game called Homefront. And now, because computer games are very, very realistic, Visually, the way they sound, the whole experience. They bring in specialists, depending on the type of game, to help make them as realistic as possible. For example, an F1 driver may come in and sample, you know, the reality of an F1 game. Now, Homefront, Homefront is a game about guerrilla warfare, especially this latest one, Revolutions. Definitely about that. So they brought in a specialist that was in the SAS. So part of this conversation is discussing the reality of the computer game. And the other is just exactly what guerrilla warfare is. You know, what can we disclose is something we cover. What are the most successful special forces operations? Uh, What exactly is guerrilla or revolutionary revolutionary warfare? Uh, What kind of technology do they use? And I ask a question at the end, which... A lot of people ask me to ask. And whether or not that was a good idea, well, I'll I'll let you decide and let me know if you think it was a bad question to ask. Um, But in the meantime, we kicked off the conversation just by clarifying that the name he's given me, well, the name that you've given me, Stephen Bradshaw, that's not your real name, is it, Steve? Of course not. (laughs) So you were actually a special forces professional yes uh i used to be a special forces operative yeah. uh i left the special forces mm-hmm. and then uh engaged in some sort of specialist intelligence gathering work overseas in the middle east mm-hmm. which was nice i then uh returned back to the uk 18 months ago mm-hmm. and then sort of turned the volume down on my life right. and then i've pursued a, quite a normal li- life for the last few years excellent okay so last 18 months yeah excellent steve so we're here to talk about home front sure and uh, the special forces okay uh, one of them i have a little bit more knowledge about than the other um obviously the special forces side of things is where there's a lot of knowledge missing sure. um and we're not messing around in all seriousness steve is not your real name we cannot actually disclose your real name no that, that's true i'm uh 
Okay. And what part of the special forces were you in, Steve? <laughs> that's, good. that's a difficult question for me to answer. All I can say is I was in a special branch of the military, uh, a, a unit within the British special forces. Okay. And and like, how do you get into that? Do you, was it like, a, just, does someone come knocking? I've only seen films, so I can only presume, you know, there's a man in a bar drinking who's had enough of the military. Someone rolls in and says, we need you in this special forces. That's the, that's the only way I can sort of see this happening. How does it, how does it work? Well, it's it's really straightforward uh, to become a candidate for special forces. Obviously, during the military, uh, it's irrelevant which department of the military you join, right. whether it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Royal Marines, it, it is irrelevant. Once you've done a sort of decent amount of time, you know, minimum of four years, you can then volunteer for special forces selection. Right. Uh, and obviously, the, the, the selection process is, is well documented. Excellent. And it's it's hard to get into the military. Yeah, we all know that. Yes, how much harder is it to get into a special forces team? Well, in my on my selection, uh, two hundred and eighty people started selection, and six six of us passed, made yeah. it to the end. Wow! Um, so that, that, that's the sort of ratios you're working on, and it, it's quite uh, as people drop out. I don't know if you can recall the film Highlander. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, the feel the force, and yeah. as people drop out, you sort of get stronger and stronger. So as the numbers dwindle. The camaraderie in- increases a hell of a lot, mm. and you sort of feel stronger as a person. But by the time you get to the end, it's it's a wonderful experience because you know you've achieved so much. You've achieved your ultimate dreams. Yeah. But then that's just the start of your SF career. So you're at the bottom of a very large ladder. At that so you still got like a sort of mountain to climb in terms of like you know there are levels to this. Yeah, sure. You spend uh, your first three years on what they call probation. Mm. Uh, you know, which is it's the same as normal, but if you mess up in that three year, first three years, you, you can get you pretty much, you know, guarantee you'll be get RTU to return back to your original unit. Oh, wow. Whether that's Paris Marines or yeah. or whatnot. So, but yeah, and once, those, once you've done those three years, you, you pretty much cemented your career then. Uh, and your career path is, you know, there for you to continue as wow. long as you can hack it. So. Wow. So I, I, I just thought when you're in, you're in, but literally you have to be on point for three yeah, years. Yeah, sure. And then they'll give you a little bit of leeway, but ultimately if you mess up severely, you will get rt would What is messing up severely? Like, what would be messing up severely? Uh, <clears throat> just sort of letting the biggest, well, the worst mistake you can ever make is sort of lying or letting down your teammates within your team. If that was an issue, then obviously you'd be gone. Mm. You lose, if you cannot afford to lose credibility in that environment or you know as a serving sf operative yeah. ultimately uh you small small man teams yeah. extremely small you know four sometimes two man teams on the ground an extremely important job to do and if you get it wrong you know lives will be at risk okay so these are very very small teams like you just said yeah sure. what sort of things do these small teams do uh obviously i can only give you open source yeah what's already out there at the moment. But ultimately, you know, the tasks can be surveillance tasks, uh, intelligence gathering. You can sort of do sort of in-country exploitation where you covertly go into a country mm. to do a job mm. and then exfil without being seen or noticed. Mm. Then they're, they're classed as deniable operations, mm-hmm. which obviously you, you, there's the bread and butter of special forces operation. And then you've got your generic green ops, you know, taking out compounds in Afghanistan and stuff like that. And, and then... You've got your counter-terrorism ops, and then there's sort of black ops on top of that as well. So, but it's the whole in your SF career, you will do, you know, 
rotation in, in each role as such. So, you know, by the time you've been in a few years, you've got experience because you've, you've, you've cut the most both in the UK and overseas work. So overseas, in the UK, and you just told me there are things that we know about, but there are obviously missions that you've done that no one knows about, like, you know, or the, or the average gentleman would not know about on the street that you've taken part in. Yes, and they're the most successful operations in terms of the special forces. Wow! Role because ultimately, uh, governments will not sign off on an operation if there's, you know, a huge degree of risk that that operation will be compromised. Mm. So the more operations you can do without compromised or being compromised, then uh, the more likely they are for ministers to, to sign off okay. on further operations, which is obviously better for everyone. Yeah, I'm going to fight back the silly questions, but they might pop out later. No, fill, fill your boots. Um, Homefront, the game, focuses, among other things, on guerrilla warfare. Sure. What is guerrilla warfare? Well, when you say guerrilla warfare, uh, the correct term right. sort of the British Special yeah. Forces uses revolutionary warfare. Right. And you've both got counter-revolutionary warfare operations and revolutionary warfare operations. So small man teams could, let's say be deployed into countries where there is a revolution to assist yeah. the revolutionary forces, the subversive forces there. Now, obviously, this is there's potential for huge compromise because if the guys get captured or killed or compromised or outed, then obviously it's going to compromise Her Majesty's government, the fact that they've sent the guys in there. So it all boils down to secrecy, diplomacy, and, and a few other factors. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. So is is that what makes it different from other types of warfare than the sort of secrecy side of it and the, the fact that it's happening quite low-key? Yes. Obviously, if you look at, you know, the protracted war we engaged with in, Af- in Afghanistan, yeah. it, it was a very, quite a simple evolution from our perspective because mm. we were on the ground, we got targets to take out, yeah. and, and that's what we were doing. So... Uh, there was very sort of little to lose. It was it was very simple, cut and dry, black and white. There's there's the target, whether it's high value or not. That's fine. Uh, mission accomplished. Um, in the game, there's a definite difference in home front. There's definite difference between the weapons that the you know the the military has and the revolutionary uh, teams have. Sure. Is that the case in real life? Like, how realistic is that? Yes, in a nutshell, revolutionary warfare fighters have to make do with what they've been given. Mm. And, that, and that's that. They have to make the best out of a bad situation. Yeah. Uh, obviously, any sort of expeditionary warfare invading force, they will have you know, the best weapons available, the best uh, logistics process for you know, weapons, ammunition, food mm. supplies, mm. available uh, fuel as well. Obviously, yeah. gor- guerrilla... You know, subversives have to make do with what they've got. You know, in the perfect scenario, <clears throat> they can have weapons that will be equivalent to what the invading force have. Mm. But in reality, it's it's never the case. Okay. So it's all about making the best out of bad yeah. situation. And uh, when I had a little play of the game, I can honestly say that even though you know, like you said, that, you know, they're making the best of a bad situation, a lot of the weapons that we use were still quite effective. Is that still the case? So you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you look at. Uh, Let's go back to, you know, Afghanistan, for instance. Yeah. You know, there were Taliban snipers successfully taking out troops using old World War II rifles and iron sights as well, and, and that's a fact. Wow. Which is obviously unfortunate for our guys, but, but it just goes to show it's, you know, it's more about the 
it's not what gloves you wear it's about how you fight wow wow and, and i've seen a video online recently quick digression um and it was in the trafford center and they were actually having a, a kind of live action uh practice uh like sort of exercise like a, yeah, yeah. exercise of like a terrorism attack how do you prepare for stuff like that in the special forces like you know these big grand scenarios where things you know really go off in the uk because you know touch wood nothing like that has happened yet but how do you prepare for things like that happening here in the homeland well in the uk we're, we're quite fortunate because uh every so often i'm not allowed to say how, how long uh there are big you know there, a big exercise takes place that involves uh, meeting at cobra level all the way down to uh gold silver and bronze and when i when i talk about these people uh your gold sort of take care of national uh sort of people in within the gold mm-hmm. group yeah. would be sort of heads of government departments heads of police uh director of special forces heads of the mod yeah. and they'll be looking at the countrywide what to do in the event of an emergency mm. and then silver and bronze are subsequently regional yeah. command posts yeah. so uh bronze element will be in charge of the trafford center whereas gold will be in the uk looking at you know what or they will be in command for a nationwide emergency mm. Mm. as opposed to a regional one okay the trafford centers obviously will be a regional emergency yeah. but you'd be wrong to assume that another attack will not arise any elsewhere somewhere of strategic importance to our adversaries uh, but yeah, we are quite fortunate that we do regular exercises both with the, the police uh, and sort of over, over government agencies, like say, just to, to ensure the British public are safe. Wow, I love the secrecy here, Steve. <laughs> I feel it's like there's a lot more that you could tell me, <laughs> but you're not. Like, not, I'm not saying you don't want to, mm. but you literally can't. Um, to go back to the game, I mean, uh, there's a lot of, of, of high-tech things going with space in the future. Sure. Like 13 years in the future, approximately. Am I right? You know, yep, 13 years in the future. Um, so there's a lot of technology used within Home Front Revolutions, and... Um, I'm seeing a lot more technology nowadays when I'm walking down the street, loads of people have phones. In warfare, is there being a lot more technology used at the moment? And and will we see more technology being used? Yes. Uh, te- well, the, the technological advances, both in terms of kit and equipment mm. for the guys on the ground, have, you know, have just come on leaps and bounds and light, almost light years ahead to what they were when I first joined the military back in 1992. Yeah. It's, uh, so where I see it now is we're in a, you know, British military is in a fantastic place right now. Mm. But with regard to subversive war, subversive warfare, mm-hmm. excuse me, or revolutionary warfare, uh, the more you dial back that techn- the technological assets you have, the less risk of compromise you have. Yeah. You know, we go back to the dead letterbox scenarios, go back to passage of information. You know, the, the less the less times you use your mobile phone as a subversive, you know revolutionary warfare fighter the better you know communication should be passed verbally or, or written you know the moment start you bring in the, the more tech the more technology you bring into your box of tricks the more likely you're about to you you all you will get compromised or the more likely you will get compromised it's quite if interesting that makes sense. yeah yeah well, it's, it's reverse yeah yeah definitely mm. well, within the game you know there's a, a massive compromise of uh technology uh with uh you know, North Korea put in, you know, is it, is it chi- chips, basically, that, that mm. wipe out a lot of, of people's kit? Honestly, though, Steve, how realistic is it that something could, something could like that could happen? Is it possible somebody to infiltrate a lot of technology and just say, you know what, we're going to turn it all off and attack? 
I'd say yes, it's certainly possible. And there are countries out there that are targeting, wow. you know, not just this country, but other countries. Okay. Uh, by electronic means, right. that's a fact. Uh, it's open source. But what is important is that military units go always, what we call, go back to the mark on eyeball. You know, the, the very basic form of doing things. So instead of giving a recruited GPS and t- teaching him how to use that, mm. you give him a map and compass yeah. and teach him how to use that to navigate. Once he's mastered that, he, he then moves on to using GPS as an advancer. So okay. if all the technology is wiped out, obviously countries that rely on technology, yeah. which you know the majority of us do, th- th- they will come and stop. But ultimately, the ones that focus on the mark and eyeball, mm techniques of doing things yeah. you know they're the ones Mark, more likely one to exercise yeah it's just a military saying because uh, yeah. in the military no idea what that means I'm uh, not going to lie Steve okay I'll but sort of reverse I'll, I'll get the gist yeah but, in the military you get- hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Given a piece of equipment and that's yeah. the, the, the Mark 1. Right. And then suddenly that breaks and then the MOD will give you a, a Mark 2 version, right. which is improved slightly okay. that will break or let you down and then you'll get the mark reversion right. and that's the, the sort of you know the common pattern that happens okay. so, you know so technically that does give you training that can mean that you can sort of cope with you know revolutionary warfare because they, they make you scale back and sort of go yeah. to square one and move forward definitely you need to start at the very grassroots of soldering in order to build a good plinth in order to you know conduct operations effectively okay now, uh, when I played my little demo of Homefront, I was pretty ruthless. I was out there kicking, I was punching up people. I was, I'm pretty brazen anyway. I like to test the game's <laughs> AI and uh, be a little bit cheeky. But in real life, mm. I have no army training. I go to the gym. I'm pretty average, fit and healthy. Um, if a scenario happens, like, you know, said scenario in Homefront, what's the best thing a man like me should do? What's the first thing I should do? It's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's important with regard to the recruitment of volunteers, yeah. you need to look at aptitude. So you've got guys who are got experience in medics, doctors, nurses. Obviously, it'd be ridiculous to put them on the front line. Yeah. They'd be of huge importance, okay. you know, behind the lines, working at field hospitals, stuff like that, you know, patching up the casualties. Okay. And that's great. You've got guys who are extremely nosy or informative and so if you use those guys as your intelligence gatherers that's you know horses for courses there so obviously i think the key to success in from a recruitment perspective is you identify aptitude yeah and then you 
you were forced out with training okay. specific to their roles or the end state roles. Right. And then you just use the lies to the best of their ability. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that's, I hope that answers that question. Basically, I think you're saying go get my GP, make sure he's safe. And don't put him on the front line. Go sure. and get the nosy Parker. Like, you know, I've got, sure. got Mrs. Craigson. There's a couple of doors down. She's always got her eyes looking through the net curtains. Get Miss Craigson. She's going to be my intel. There's a couple of big guys on my street. I reckon they can be front line. And, and that's my little team. My little revolutionary team. Ready to... Is that, is that what we call a cell? That's pretty much your cell. Yes. However, within that cell, yes. Miss Craigson's probably the most important member of the cell. Really? Yeah. Because okay. all our patients have to be intelligence-led. They have to, you know... And that's it. You can't just go out there and, and hit a random target because that just wouldn't, that could be detrimental to the main effort. Okay. So all intelligence led, intelligence, intelligence. Right. You know, do as much targeting as possible. Right. Add as many security layers as possible so that your cell are not compromised by any means. Right. Right. Add a deception leg in there, which you'll need to make sure you think no one follows you up. Okay. And then continue with the task you've been given. What is it? What's a deception leg? When I say a deception leg, you need to put as many filters in place that will not compromise your cell right you know at this stage you know, I don't want to give examples because right. I'll be giving too much away okay so yeah. just layers to stop people getting the information that I've got f knowing where I am yeah and different things like that okay so you've worked out what the best thing for me to do in a home front scenario right what about the worst thing to do what would be the absolute worst thing I could do captured get captured yeah sure okay. so obviously uh, what tends to happen uh, during a revolutionary warfare or any sort of guerrilla warfare uh, it's important for your fighters and your commanders to have sort of compartmentalised access to information mm -hmm. so they only know specific to that task mm -hmm. uh, if you sort of as, as a commander you'll need to know, you know information regarding other units and sub, you know, subunits and so you can mutually support each other. Now, when commanders do get captured, it's a huge concern because obviously information can be compromised mm. on that level. You could have been working on uh, an attack, you know, months down the line. Uh, obviously, th th those plans have to be shelved, mm. put on the shelf, and then you focus on additional. You look at where, it, you know, you look at information that hasn't been compromised. It, uh, and that's key to, well, yet again it's the worst thing you can do is get captured obviously if you're killed you can't give information away mm -hmm. but from in terms of what you know the enemy are desperate to know that wow and you seem like quite a serious person as well and I don't want to be like one of those dickheads <laughs> that comes along and takes the piss out of what you do but like do you get to have fun like when you're in these sort of war zones or when you're doing these missions or is it strictly you have to focus on the job at hand is there a chance for a laugh a giggle yes uh one of the most important attributes to have as a special force operative is both humility and humour. Yeah. More so humour because, you know, the, you're in some horrendous, hairy situations. Right. It's when you're in those situations you've got to be at your best, both to mutually support your team members but to just generally, you know, resonate goodness amongst the group you're in. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, we're just normal people given a, you know, difficult task to do and without anyone finding out about it yes even yes. harder I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you I asked a lot of people to give me questions to ask you today and sure, the number probably. one question was what is your body count and can you share that with us no it's a difficult question okay to ask but yeah I've 
Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a grim one. It's a grim one. And I'm just being honest. People asked me to ask you it, so I thought I would as well. But um, wow, like, I feel like you've taught me a lot about Homefront and also taught me that I need to to, to really get up to scratch with all of the uh, sort of uh, sayings that you have in the military because sure. they're out there. But um, thank you very much for telling us all about this. And um, yeah, Homefront out soon. Look forward to it. Uh, quickly, before I let you get out of here, have you seen much of the game? Sure. Yes, uh, I'm really impressed, actually. It's... Uh... Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm personally going to buy it myself. Yeah, yeah, and what are your thoughts in terms of how close it is to, you know, like a real life scenario? Yeah, it's a computer game. It's not real life. How close are we in terms of the, the Well, I think in, in terms of, you know, employment of IEDs, yeah. remote control IEDs, stuff like that, you know, it's all it's all relevant, yeah. quite relevant. And that was literally it. Uh, we'd run out of time then, so we had to stop the interview. So, that was a very interesting conversation to be in a room with somebody who's done and seen things I don't think I could even fathom. And in hindsight, maybe some of the questions that were asked, or one in particular, uh, and the way it was asked wasn't a good way or wasn't a good question, but how do you discuss a computer game which is kind of used for entertainment while also discussing the realness of actual guerrilla warfare with somebody and ask them how real certain situations are without kind of being faced with you know should I ask that question is this just is is this taking war lightly you know is this just looking at war as entertainment um whilst also not pissing off people that have you know spent you know a very long time creating a computer game for people's entertainment but also making it as realistic as possible the way the energy changed in the room when I he was asked that it, it's very hard to explain, but I, I try my best. You know, he's seen things that many people have not seen and probably would not want to see. And you just saw the memories flooding back to him when I asked him that question. Um, it was awkward, to say the least. Uh, but I suppose sometimes conversations that you have are not always easy and sometimes you know i might ask the wrong question uh feel free to give me your feedback uh on that or if you want me to ask or talk to more people that uh, come from a similar situation that steve has let me know you can listen to marcus meets via itunes podcast for apple devices or acast which works on most phones if you're unsure what will work on your device head to marcusbronzycom slash meets to listen with whatever device you desire we would love your feedback in the form of a rating and review. And you can do that by going to marcusbronzy.com slash review. And if you really want to support the show, you can become a patron of Marcus Meets. Get access to bonus content like today's episode early, exclusive merchandise, and have input on actual show content yourself. You can donate as little or as much as you want. Say the cost of a British cup of tea by going to marcusbronzy.com slash tea. That's marcusbronzy.com slash tea. <laughs>